This is Recovery Machine News. Okay, so one of the things that happened recently in the news that we're going to talk about is the decriminalization piece that was covered. I don't know, when was that? Three days ago now? Four days ago? Yeah. I'm sure everyone's heard uh, what's happening with that. BC is going to no longer be charging people with possession if it's a, for small amounts of hard drugs. I'll just go through kind of the uh, the basics of what they're trying to do here, and then we'll we'll just bat it around and, and see what we consider. Mm-hmm. So BC is set to become the first province to decriminalize possession of small amounts of illicit drugs, talking 2.5 grams, and that can be a combined uh, quantity, which is interesting, (laughs) uh, a cumulative 2.5 grams of opioids, cocaine, methamphetamine, and MDMA. So depending on what drug you're into. I mean, that's kind of a whack load of MDMA. I think that would be enough to get you through like two festivals. <laughs> um, from my understanding, the uh, Sheila Malcolmson, the uh, Minister of Addiction and Mental Health here in BC, was working with her counterpart in Ottawa on a federal level. What they wanted to do was, the original thing was to, they wanted to go with 4.5 grams. That's kind of the, what they, they, where they thought they would start. And then for some reason, they asked the police, I believe it was the police that they, they yeah. and, and the police told them <laughs> that 2.5 was better. And this is a real good example of uh, nothing about us without us. I mean, why on earth would you ask the police about that? They're notorious for getting quantities of drugs vastly wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's not like, I mean, how many times are you going to get a situation where they're actually going to get out of scale and determine whether or not you're over the 2.5. It's not, that's not really what we're talking about here. I believe, I think it's, well, we, we can talk about that in a second here. I'll just finish. Yeah. It doesn't come into effect until uh, January 31st, uh, 2023. And this is so far just going to be in BC. Now they're toting this as some sort of a solution to the poison drug supply problem. And I, uh, I'm i not sure how they think that's going to factor in. What I will say is that it, it's a positive step. It's a, a, a tiny step. And I understand why there's some frustration by many drug users, uh, especially ones who are watching their friends die around them. But I, I still, I mean, you got to, you got to look at these things as, as positive changes for, for some people, this is going to be, this is something a real different thing for them to wrap their their minds around. You know, why would the government do this? What are they trying to do? Well, it it's because it basically is the rational thing to do in that you're freeing up police officers, you're preventing, you know, somebody who in all likelihood has a mental health issue or a, a drug problem, which is under the same umbrella as far as they're concerned. You're preventing them from having a criminal charge that could make it harder for them to get their life back on track. So it doesn't, you know, what what are you doing to stop the flow of drugs by going after somebody with with personal possession of drugs? In my opinion, you're doing nothing. In fact, you're helping uh, the the people who are bringing the the drugs in, the toxic drugs in, because you're you're taking up time from uh, and resources from a a police officer who could be actually doing something you know, useful with their time, like, uh, you know, catching a rapist or, or something like that. Right. Yeah. So 
that's kind of, I mean, that's, this is what uh, Portugal did. Everybody talks about Portugal, how they decriminalized everything. And, uh, you know, they've studied and we've got lots of data. It's obviously better. <laughs> it's not, there's no question as to what, whether or not it's the right thing to do. What are your thoughts on uh, when you heard this, Corey, what did you, what did you kind of think? A few things, you know, I, I think um, I've been trying to wrap my head around, around how this would actually benefit the, the, the deaths from, from the toxic drug supply. And I don't, I don't see it. It won't have any um, impact on that. It, it won't. No. And, but we'll get, I want to get to fentanyl in a second here. I think, first of all, I think that going, having to ask the police and having allowing the police and law enforcement to guide that decision to bring it down from 4.5 to 2.5 grams uh, says to me that Canada's not finished with the war on drugs or the war on drug users <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination that, that we're that, that the powers that be are still not giving up on that, on that drug war. I, I you know, I think I've heard the argument that this is going to, you know, that, that the amount that the police seem to find on people when they're, when they're detained or when they're, when they're searched is under two grams. So within the lower mainland of British Columbia here, the numbers were like 1.9 grams or 1.6 grams in, in different communities. So for, for fentanyl, that, that means it's about a half a teaspoon in terms of volume of a, of a powder, a half a teaspoon, if you can imagine that fentanyl has a very, very short half-life. It lasts a very, very short period of time. Whereas in the, in the old days of heroin or even the alternatives with, with you know, um, pharmaceutical-grade heroin or hydromorphone, there's a longer half-life. But fentanyl specifically has a very, very short half-life. This is what is killing people it's in our province, in our country. It's the greatest criminal drug of all time. If you are somebody who's trying to make money and you don't give a shit about whether people live or die, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Right. It, it's so potent. It's so easy to get into the country and people have to use it again and again and again and again and again. All through the day. So that short half-life, like there's an, and, and this is this, it almost felt to me like they were like the powers that be were turning their nose up at that or saying, we're going to, we're going to pretend that this little, little fact doesn't exist, that that, that short half-life of the drug keeps people having to go back to their, to their dealer and seek it out. And if it was 4.5 grams, that might be half, you know, if a larger quantity being allowed could mean that they have to seek it out half as, half as many times a day because they can get it from a person that they know and, and they can buy double the quantity and then they're not going out to look for it again. And because it is such an unpredictable drug, because they're buying a supply that is unpredictable and that is toxic and poisoned with such, with such variety of potency and dosing, that they're, it's, it's, this is forcing people to go out and, and roll the dice again and again and again. And if, again, if, if this was about saving lives, 4.5 grams would have been accepted because they would say, well, that's less times a day or an hour that someone has to go and take that, take that risk. Yeah. It's, it's confusing, right? The, I mean, I mean, these people, when I look at the, the photo ops and stuff they do and the, and the positions and how this uh, minister of health and addiction just kind of was brought about 
as the escalation of the toxic drug crisis continued, there's, there's a lot of posturing and there's a lot of, you know, opportunities to kind of make it look like things are being done. And in some cases, there are things that are being done that are, you know, up there, it, it, they're altruistic looking goals, but I think we all know, they all know, I mean, they're not idiots. They understand what it would take to actually have an impact here. And, you know, if, if I, I'm not sure what this is other than a, some sort of a, a maybe a, a, a PR kind of just to indicate that they they're trying, I, but you know, I, what do you make of that? Like, what do you think the motivations are here? I think that there is the understanding that, that some action needs to be taken, but like we've talked about before, there's such a, a political fear about it because it's such a sensitive or contentious issue that, that they don't want to go all in on it, I think. So we will try this we've, as it's been called everywhere this week, a, a half measure and yeah. see, see what happens. Now w- we are very, unique in our in our province of British Columbia you know reading responses reading responses by the leader of the or the the um, would-be leader of the of the federal conservative party in reading the response from the premier of Ontario from the former premier of Alberta I mean those are wildly callous responses and they look at British Columbia as the wild west and what are you doing and this isn't you know I, I read the response this isn't, this isn't compassion. You're, you're condoning, you know, you're condoning death, you're condoning drug use and addiction, which it's, I mean, of course it's not. So the the outlook in British Columbia is not the outlook in the rest of Canada by any stretch. So, so that says to me that we, that, that BC is probably thinking, okay, we got to tread gently here, even if we're not saving the lives as rapidly as, as we could be by changing the law more aggressively, but maybe that will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that uh, there's probably just in a step like this, there's probably all sorts of back, like behind the scenes kind of cooperation between different party members and stuff that has to happen to to make sure something like this would even be feasible, right? Yeah. Because there's still such a lack of understanding. And it, it's not just from people who are uneducated. It's like you said, I mean, those, those are leaders of our country. I yeah. mean, if you... If you can't understand why that is a step in the right direction, then I, I, I don't know what kind of a mind you're running. Like it, it's not a difficult thing to grasp. I mean, obviously they have lots of other things to think about, but in BC, you know, that's uh, we're still, you know, heading towards a, a continuation of this, whatever we're did. Have we passed seven a day yet or? Still just yeah. below, yeah, just below, se- no, just below seven a day, just below seven a day or dying. Yeah. I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Yeah. You have to do something. This is, uh, this is not enough, but maybe if you, maybe it's a demonstration that change can be made. You know, they tried to change something. It's still a good thing. I mean, there, there might be, maybe it prevents somebody from getting arrested or maybe it frees up a police officer who, who then goes on to do something more meaningful with their, uh, with their time. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, saving lives, it's not going to work. And there's no. still, there are claims that they have safe supply here in BC are still false. For Correct. Unten- for and, 
intents and purposes. Totally. And, you know, 9,400 deaths in BC since 2016, 9,400. Mm. And uh, in preparing for this discussion today, I was on the government of British Columbia website and they did a little press release about, about this exemption and the change in the law here in BC. And it was just very much factual. And then they <clears throat> put up a couple of quick facts and uh, a couple of them are very just black and white and, and, and are factual, but I had to read this. Since 2017, the government of Canada has committed more than $800 million to address the opioid overdose crisis and responded quickly to implement a wide range of measures to help save lives and meet the diverse needs of the people who use drugs. Are you kidding? When, when the death toll since 2016, a year before, you know, they're saying since 2017, we've committed this money. To, to do all these great things, 9,400 deaths mm-hmm. and they are patting themselves on the back. So yeah. I, 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 as a, as a citizen of this country and of this province, I, I yearn for a government that doesn't re- need to pat themselves on the back for, for something like just do it because it's the, the decent good thing to do. And you don't need to, <sighs> to praise yourself for, for a failure in order to try to keep yourself in power. Yeah. I, well, I don't know, maybe it's scary to think, but there's probably possibly people who work in that area who truly believe that the measures that they're doing are, are actually doing something. Uh, so that's one thing, right? There's also uh, members of the voting public who will buy that. They'll look at it and be like, Oh, look, they're, they're increasing the amount of beds available for uh, youth. Look at their, you know, they're, they're building these uh, special homes for these people over here or whatever. So if you don't, if you don't know about the problem on a a deep enough level, then, you know, maybe they are placating enough of the population. And it's not like, I mean, most people that you've seen how we've seen how uh, a large percentage of population deals with people who are, who are, you know, in trouble with drugs or addicted to drugs or whatever. And nobody gives a fuck. Right. Right. And it, and, and I mean, healthcare workers are part of that conversation because (laughs) in, in those statistics, there are healthcare workers, most certainly. Oh, there's, there's everything in those statistics. There's, uh, there's bank presidents, there's university deans, there's people you would never suspect in a million years, anesthesiologists, you know, they're all part of that too. Right. Yes. It's yeah, it's such a, such a strange thing, man. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of, there's not much else you can say really. I looked at it as a, it's a positive step, but it's a tiny step and hopefully it's uh, it's just, it's the beginning of a new trend. That's what, that's what I'm hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> 